Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of Kicking It with Kel. I'm your host, Keller Fields. We have finally done it. We have recorded the episode with my little sister, Bailey, after multiple, multiple tries. Um, I had so much fun recording this episode, even though the content is pretty serious. Bailey makes me laugh so much. We had to cut, I probably cut 20 minutes of this episode just because we couldn't stop laughing. So if at any point it sounds like we're about to laugh or you hear some sniffles, it's not actually crying. We are just cracking up. In this episode, we talk about self-worth and knowing your worth. And I really think that this episode kind of starts there and then casually makes its way into discussing toxic cycles and toxic relationships and how to break those cycles and move through those things. And just kind of how we've all been, you know, told that maybe we are something we're not and how those beliefs about ourselves are really hard to break. So I'm not going to hold you up any longer. I hope you enjoy this episode with my little sister, Bailey. It's weird to say hello to because we've already been on here for a second, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay hello Bailey hello Kill. how are you doing I'm just wonderful yeah how are you <laughs> I'm good <laughs> I'm just gonna tell everyone what's going on so can uh, we tell them that we've already been talking for like 15 minutes yeah well okay yeah we've already been talking for a while now and we were trying we've tried to do this literally like Last week, we tried to do it like 14 times. <laughs> we're doing the same thing over and over and over. Like, it's not like the same thing that we were doing. We just kept trying to like exit out and get back on to the whatever. So we're doing a Zoom call. So if the audio sounds a little bit different than normal, that is why. But yes. I was determined to <laughs> make this work. So we're going to make it work. Okay. So I used to ask everybody you know, how you're doing in quarantine, but Cammy lovingly gave me some feedback the other day and said that not everyone's still in quarantine. So I need uh, to ask now. I'm very much in quarantine. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> am, am I not? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You seem surprised that I said that. Because you've been doing stuff. No, not really. What do you mean not really? Anywhere. Huh? You're not anywhere, Bailey. I mean, I go to the grocery keller. But I, I'm just saying it's. I uh, don't. I haven't been at work in probably three months now. Like, okay. Well, there was a little bit a while where you were going, going, going. Refresh you, my you memory. Phoenix. <laughs> oh, that's right. I did. Like, you've been to places. True. <laughs> I mean, so you haven't been. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a prisoner in my own body right now anyway, so. Because yeah. you're pregnant? Because I'm pregnant. Everyone and... knows at this point that you're pregnant. So you've been pregnant the whole time during. Um... Yeah. Found out June 22nd. Yeah. Um, which is actually a really cool story, too, because it was the due date of my last miscarriage, which I don't know if a lot of people know that, but yeah. I put it out there. So definitely some people know that. So anyways, found out June 22nd, and I am almost 18 weeks. Yeah, which is how long? How long is eighteen weeks? Three, Half, almost halfway there. I mean, well, are you going to be one of those moms who explains their kids' ages and weeks? You see, like I've always been so against that, but when you hear doctors use that kind of term, I don't really think it's that weird. Okay, well, I always think it's weird. So because, like, just well, for me directly, I just need you to speak in months. 
Okay, so yeah, like, it'd be like if someone started talking to you in centimeters, and you're like, and I only know inches. So I'm four months pregnant. Right. Cool. Okay, back on track. So you have been in quarantine. How how are you holding up? I'm honestly, other than the fact that I've been really sick, quarantine has not been bad for me. Right. It's been pretty chill. I haven't really been working. A lot of people don't know, but. I serve occasionally to make some extra money outside of art, and I haven't been there in three months, uh, mostly because I've been so sick with this pregnancy, but also we're at like 50% capacity, and they just have so, we're just overstaffed, and there's just not a lot going on there, and um, yeah, we bought a new house, so it's mm-hmm. just been crazy. It's been up and down for me, and then I'm pregnant, so quarantine's been pretty I wouldn't say cool, but it's been exciting. Yeah, you've had a lot going on. Yeah. All right, well, let me intro you to everybody who might not know who you are. Okay. I would say most people do. Um, okay, Bailey is my younger sister, and she mentioned that she was an artist. Um, she's a very talented artist. I would say 90% of the art in my home is a Bailey Minky original or a print. And uh, you can find her art Instagram at Bailey Minky Art. So, yeah, me and Bailey, I I have a few different notes, but I want to say this. (laughs) You can probably already tell. Bailey is the most unironically funny person I've ever met. Like, anything Bailey does just absolutely sends me into a tizzy of laughter like I don't know why I'm so glad you think that about me it's you're just so funny without trying I don't know there's just something about the way you talk that just absolutely just cracks me to pieces (laughs) (laughs) so um we like anyways okay so I'm gonna (laughs) I was gonna say we shared a room growing up there's like we have so many different like yeah we do like I have just the funniest memories with you just in general but just to switch gears, I asked you what you wanted to talk about for this episode. Can we talk about how, though, how you said that, like, you were just, like, I just kind of thought this podcast would be funny. I'm like, Keller, but, like, I've been through some stuff. Like, maybe we should talk about real stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, because, you know what, I'll tell you, this is really funny. So, I like, sometimes I pre-title episodes just to, like, try and get my brain going of what I want to talk about. Uh-huh. And I titled this one Noodles. Noodles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I titled this one <laughs> Noodles for Hair because you used to, when we were really little and shared a room, you used to like make up stories about like people and you'd be like, this woman had noodles for hair <laughs> and meatballs for eyes. And like you would say like the craziest stuff. It, it probably wasn't about like noodles. It was like snakes for hair and like, like you know, mouth for eyes. I don't know. But anyways, just we have so many absolutely hilarious memories. So I thought maybe we would talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do want to talk about something that's serious. And I think it's a a great topic. And I'm glad that you want to talk about it. And you said that you want to talk about like self-worth or knowing your worth. And I've mm-hmm. struggled like deeply with figuring out my self-worth and knowing my worth um, within communities and just like by myself. And I think that we are similar in the way that a lot of people think they know us. Mm-hmm. And the reason like for you is because you can be super, super outgoing 
And so people often equate like outgoing people that they know them, but yeah. people don't know you. They just know that you're fun to be around. And like for mm-hmm. me, sometimes I get vulnerable on the internet. So people assume that they know my life, but you still don't know my life. But also I think I like paint like a pretty picture on my Instagram in my life. Right. And that's not really my life. I really care about what my feed looks like for some reason. It probably has a lot to do with like the artist in me. It's just funny because I'll like scroll through my Instagram and so many people, this is funny and I feel like I need to share it because I was talking to Alicia, my best friend about it the other day. And she was like, I really hope you say that in the podcast because people need to know that you don't live like this perfect life. Mm -hmm. And so when I was posting all these pictures of Clay and I in Bali, it was just there were just beautiful pictures like absolutely beautiful pictures but really our honeymoon in bali was a shit show like for people who don't know he didn't make it to bali he didn't even make it to um chicago with his wallet in his pocket so we had one credit card um which was my discover card and our passports luckily i had his passport so we get to Bali and we realize that my Discover card, the only form of payment we have, doesn't even work in Bali. And like, so we're screwed. We had to have our parents wire us money through Western Unions. And half of the time, the Western Unions were closed. The other half of the time, they didn't exist or people couldn't speak English enough to even help us. Like, so we spent so much of our money trying to get taxis to even get money. And I found out I was pregnant then. I was so sick. But then I get all these messages saying, man, like you're, that is so beautiful. Like, I love how much you travel. It's just, it's beautiful. But like, if people really knew how much of a shit show it was, I mean, I don't think they'd be saying that. Right. Social media is such an interesting tool. And I know that there are so many like documentaries or whatever about the, it's just all a filter. For sure. And we can make our lives look however we want them to look. And I think that you can take that like lesson from social media and apply it to your, to your normal life. And I think that's like specifically applies to people like us. If you look at our lives from a, from like a social media standpoint. So if you're, you're standing back and just looking at it without knowing any details, we have a great family. We were very fortunate to have, you know, anything that we wanted growing up. We all got along really well. There was lots of love, all of those things. But I mean, I've already had podcasts. You're my, the last like sibling that I'll interview. Um, and we've all had struggles and yes, we've all been had so much deep, and we're deep not struggles. the perfect family. Like we're exactly. very much, we're, we all go through crazy crap and people just have no clue because I mean who wants to put that stuff on blast anyways I think it's really important to be transparent about who you are but I don't think it's necessary to put everything on social media you know for sure but I'm just saying it it creates an illusion yes I agree of your life so for you I would say you know your life got pretty dark because of some of the people that were around you that weren't necessarily your family. And I was thinking about this on my walk, like last week when we were trying to do this. And I've already mentioned that we had like so many hilarious memories, but some of also like the maddest or the angriest I've ever been has been at you or, you know, or with you or whatever. Like I remember multiple times where we like literally got in physical altercations because (laughs) 
yeah. the stuff that was going on in your yeah. life that I did not understand. I'll never so, forget you pinning me on the bed. Yeah. Like, almost choking you me. You were trying to like run away from the house. You were like <laughs> pinning me on the bed saying, I don't even remember exactly, I remember who it was about. But I don't remember exactly why it got to that point. Yeah, because you, um, you, like, came upstairs and were mad. You were always mad at us. I was, I was always mad because I didn't want anybody to tell me that I wasn't doing the right thing. And, I, right. and you guys just loved me and cared right. about me. Yeah. And I didn't want to hear it because I you, was self-sabotaging myself. Yeah. So I, yeah, I remember that. You came upstairs and said, like, you didn't want to be at home and you, uh, you were going to leave for, like, two months and you were going to stay. And I'm like – no you're not yeah. so yeah. I like followed you downstairs and I like pinned you to the bed I'm like you're not effing leaving and then mom like ran down because we were screaming at each other uh-huh. you like kicked me in the face <laughs> well you cornered me into a you cornered me and then then you slammed me on the bed because you're a hundred times stronger than me and then I'm pretty sure you like acted like you're gonna choke me and I'm like I, I spit in your face or something <laughs> like that yeah I mean it's terrible but that hasn't that doesn't that has not happened but maybe once there's one other time I remember I remember throwing a shoe at you (laughs) it wasn't a shoe it was over a stupid ankle brace it was a knee pad or no yeah ankle brace (laughs) because I found the the new ankle brace and you had already fought me over the old one saying it was yours so I found the new one you're like no that one's mine and I'm like murder this girl and so then I threw one at you and then you said mom please hold her back said, you and better hold I, me back yeah and then I and then I like kept messing with you and then you came at me you took off spreading upstairs well deserved for sure I was a little shit yeah you were a little shit so yeah you definitely were in a dark place and obviously I wasn't in a great place either for me to ever put my hands on you um <laughs> I'm gonna we were both just going through a lot so yeah. I'm gonna delicately walk through this conversation because it, I, I think it's it's very personal so I want you to be the one that guides it and leads it but you know a lot of people struggle with knowing their worth or placing their own like intrinsic value um, on external things or like completely dependent on another person so yeah. when did you like realize that you were doing that and I didn't, I don't know if I realized it, but this is when, like, looking back, this is when it started to happen, but definitely started early in high school when, like, the boy that I started dating, I guess I wasn't cool enough for him, or maybe he just didn't want to publicly date me. Mm. He did it first, and then I'm like, so I started thinking about myself, like, am I not that cool to date? Right. Like, I'm not ugly, like, mm. but he publicly just did not want to be with me, so he hid me. So first we had a public relationship and then he decided he didn't want to be with me, but he did. He just didn't want his friends to know for some reason. I don't know if it was because he just started hanging out with a bunch of older people and I was younger than him. I don't know. But I think the confusion of like self-worth probably started when I was in a freshman in high school, um, which a lot of kids go through that kind of stuff in high school. But honestly, it just lasted all through high school. So it wasn't just one year of like oh am I not cool enough this went on a lot until my junior year with the same exact person until I met someone else who did the same exact thing to me so right so explain to me because I mean you know about my situation of who I was with in high school and how that was and you know it is really hard to see maybe 
the bad parts of the relationship when you're so wrapped up in like, oh, I love this person and they're all of these good things. So I'm going to ignore this part that sucks or that hurts or whatever. Can you explain how, like, did you realize when you were going through that cycle? Like, okay, he doesn't think I'm cool enough for him. So I'm going to be cooler. Did you like recognize that you were doing it or was it something that you were doing like subconsciously? Can like you, you recognize that you were changing for someone? You decide who you want to be in high school, right? So I decided that my freshman year, I dressed really weird. My hair was always really big. I wore tie-dye shirts and puma boots up to my knees. It's not that like I cared about like my appearance or anything is like I did in college, but it was more just, I know I'm cool. So like, what's the deal here? Like, I don't really remember a lot about that relationship because no. it was so long ago, but I felt like he, he wanted to just keep me a secret. Like I remember he used to like text me every Wednesday mm-hmm. and I could only come over when his parents weren't home. Right. But since it was like the person that first made me feel, maybe it was just like my first real boyfriend. Yeah. Um, it was really hard to go from having a boyfriend and being public and going to games, his games to like him transitioning into a person that just wanted to keep me a secret. That was really, really hard for me. In what ways? Like hard on you mentally? Like asked Emotionally, mentally hurt my self-esteem. I didn't feel good enough. Even though I was a very unique person, I felt like I just, I just didn't feel like I was being treated the way I should have been treated as Cause like he, I was secretly his girlfriend, you know, he would tell me I was his girlfriend, but he wouldn't tell anybody else I was his girlfriend. And I was so young and I didn't know how to handle that. Yeah. And I gave him like so many chances and I did so many things for him and I went to every single one of his games and it's just like, it wasn't enough. It was, it was really weird. Yeah, I know that is weird. Did it ever make you feel like ashamed of who you were? Like was something that ever came up for you? No, because I was in high school and I was still making like really good decisions with my life. I just wasn't dating the right person or wasn't with the right person. That's when I first started like self-sabotaging myself. Right. It wasn't until probably my, until I was like 17, 18, until I started to like really hurt myself. Right. Okay. So let's talk about that. So after you got out of that relationship, what happened? So then I started talking to another guy, another athlete. um, And I was just, it was very destructive. Um, the first nine months I thought were pretty great until like, I remember looking in like messages, like his Facebook messages or whatever, and seeing that he would like message teachers, his teachers, like very gross messages. And I was like, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't who I thought I was with. But then again, like I just kind of stuck with it. He was very manipulative. He would make me think that, um, everything was okay. He would completely like manipulate a situation into like me feeling like I was the crazy one. Right. And he was very good at it. I would say the second year of that got really toxic because mm-hmm. then he left for college and I was still in high school mm-hmm. and he was doing whatever the hell he wanted to do right. and completely hiding it from me. So I would say that was when I started to kind of self-destruct and become someone I didn't love at all. Just because I know I also wasn't with the right person and I felt like I was worth more, but also like he was fun. And this is someone who actually publicly wanted to be with me and wanted me to be at his division one basketball games. And I felt really cool, like dressing up and being his girlfriend, but I 
wasn't, you know. So, like, just listening to the conversation, it's clear, like, to me, like, obviously I know a lot of the stuff because I was there for a lot of it Mm -hmm. and, like, saw how all of it played out. But it seems to me that it's almost like you cared a lot about how and maybe I'm wrong, but, like, how the public perceived your relationship. 100%, which is why I started talking about, like, Instagram, too. Like, how even I still am guilty of this. Not as much as I used to speak. I don't even really post as much as I used to. But even scrolling through when I was with this guy, what I, the things I, I was posting, it just wasn't me. I didn't – I wanted to just look so cool to everybody else. I was very, very concerned about what you said, like my external, like basis of my self-worth was like people's approval in the way I looked. And, um, it wasn't anything like internal, like how I actually felt or what I needed to like feed my soul and my body with just things that I actually needed, you know? Yeah. So at this point, you said that you started making like poor decisions or destructive Uh decisions. So up until this point, do you feel like you had lost yourself in one hundred percent? What did the destructive decisions like look like for you? You don't have to get into specifics, but even if it's just like how you felt about your body or whatever. Well, it essentially it was I just had an inner voice inside of my head, which was just like a nasty coach leading me to like maladaptive and destructive behaviors. I don't think anybody knew this, but when I got to college, which also I went to the same college my boyfriend went to and then the year I got there he left so I was there alone even though I had a full ride for art it was it was a fine situation but I started to have an eating disorder I probably ran 60 miles a week I lost 20 pounds when I got to college but see on Instagram I would post like drop the freshman 20 instead of gain the freshman 20 but no no one knew that like I didn't I wasn't drinking water because I didn't want to step on the scale and gain a half a pound. Like it was crazy. The stuff that was going on in my brain, I had so much anxiety, so much stress. I wouldn't say that like it affected um, like academic performance because art is something I've always really cared about. Art is like one of the things that made me feel like I was worth something. But yeah, I'd say freshman at Western Kentucky was the biggest, biggest year of self-sabotage for me for sure yeah that's um that's interesting and I know that there's a lot more that you could talk about with that but I think that's yeah. a good time to just say like kind of what I've already said just about how it's super 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 easy to get wrapped up in the people that are around you mm-hmm. and I think that well let me just ask you this like what would you credit the switch to moving from those toxic behaviors into healthy behaviors, like what would you credit that switch to? How did you even figure out that this self-sabotage was going on? Like, did it take you having to remove yourself from those relationships or what was it that? I honestly knew I was self-sabotaging. The people that loved me the most, you, my family, I mean, God bless mom and dad because they were freaking saints. They would have done anything for me. I mean, I remember I used to call mom and be like, hey, I'm going to catch a greyhound to this city because this is where my boyfriend is. And I won't be back for a few days. And she begged me not to go. Like, please don't go. Like, I don't feel like you're being safe. And I'm like, mom, I'm going. Um, My car broke down. Like, I can't go. Well, I remember dad 
driving to West Kentucky to fix my car when I wasn't even there. Like, that's how worried they were about me. And I mean, they were so patient and kind with me. And obviously they had conversations with me saying that like, what are you doing to yourself? This isn't okay. You're not acting right. You're hurting yourself. Like you can't live this way. I didn't care. I pushed them away. I lied. I became honestly just a nasty human. And I, and I honestly think I credit the switch to when I I called mom one day and this is when I kind of realized that I'm like, don't really feel like I should be here anymore. I called mom and I'm like, mom, I think one of my professors just like made a move on me. Mm -hmm. And it was something I was really, art was something I was really passionate about. So it wasn't, so that like really hurt me because that was something that I felt so worthy. I didn't want to bring like, I wanted art to be art and then my self appearance or whatever to be that. Like, right. like you want to get ahead in any way, just based on like your looks or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. I wanted to just do well in art and because I felt like I was a good artist and mom's like, well, maybe let's look into you transferring somewhere and um, maybe you can just like start over. So I transferred to Northern Kentucky and still with the same guy. But honestly, when I transferred to Northern Kentucky, I was a lot closer to home and the people that actually loved me. Not that they could like monitor me or anything, but I did move home for a while um, while I was commuting. And I felt like that was really good for me. Just being around mom every day and being around dad and just having like honestly guidance that I'd lost for such a long time. I got into the art program there and it was very competitive to get in so it was really cool my professors were freaking awesome and loved me and like submitted my art into art galleries and I won so many awards and that's when I really started to feel like I was on top of the world right. you know I started investing more of my time into my art that's when I first got my solo show I was like all right I'm doing it. This is cool. I have way more going for me in my life than my relationships and the approval of other people. And I would definitely credit to transferring it and being close to home and being around people that love me instead of people who help me self-destruct and self-sabotage. Well, I think one thing that you said was interesting just now, and I only bring it up because I think it's important. A lot of people, especially young people, often push away people that mean the most to us on purpose because maybe they do know what's best Mm -hmm. for us even if we can't see it and I think it's interesting that you just said you had lost the guidance of mom and dad because the guidance of mom and dad we're always there always there but it's your choice not to listen to it or to accept that so I don't even know if you can (laughs) touch on that at all but you know because people I'm sure that there's someone listening who has been in a toxic relationship who everyone in their life has been like hey, you're not seeing what we're seeing. And other people are like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is my life. What advice would you even give to someone who might be going through something similar? You got to focus more of your time on the things that nourish yourself rather than the things that you feel like nourish the relationship. I did a lot of things for my boyfriends or for even other people that didn't make me happy. You know, like I was just doing it to please them because I felt like the relationship was going to be okay. I found myself a lot of the times apologizing for things that 
I didn't feel like I was wrong for just because I didn't want to argue or something like that. My advice is just freaking be yourself. Like, I know that's so cliche to say. If you have a thought, like, don't change your thought because someone else's thinks differently. You know, like, it's okay to not be okay, you know, like, but fix it. Understand that you're going through something and realize that a lot of people go through what you're going through. Yeah. Like I said, I think that a lot of people do go through that. Like, I know that I've been, you know, literally lost in a relationship, especially if it's someone who's like your first everything, everything feels bigger and better and you know, it, it all feels like so grand. It's hard yeah. to see past all of that stuff. I'm going to kind of backtrack because I should have asked yes. this question first and I didn't. We've been talking a lot about like self-worth and knowing mm-hmm. your But how would you, you specifically, how would you define self-worth? Well, I feel like people categorize like self-esteem and self-worth a lot together. I think self-worth is honestly called self-worth for a reason I think only you can determine your Mm self-worth um not anybody else so I think like feeling like you have a sense of self-worth is just being able to accomplish goals that you set for yourself being able to look in the mirror and realize like hey I'm not perfect but that's okay because no one's perfect a lot of people go through stuff like this doing things you love not feeling guilty about freaking taking naps if you need to throughout the day just feeling like you can conquer the world and doing it you know right and like not letting anybody else tell you that you can't do something because you know you can i gonna go back because you were in you know consecutively toxic relationships so mm-hmm. one right after the other and, and not it, sorry go ahead no no go ahead well and not just boyfriends but like friends friends right. Okay, let's talk about that because you have talked a lot about boyfriends. You've already mentioned your best friend is Alicia, and we stand Alicia in this house. We love, <laughs> love Alicia more. <laughs> um, oh God, talk about that too because a lot of people don't think of friendships as seasonal or something that you need to cut off, or you know, they don't even put those in the same relationships. But friendships can really jack you up if you're with and around the wrong people. Absolutely, and. I don't really want to like speak bad about these people because I also feel like I wasn't my best self when I was around them either. I was around a lot of people who did a lot of drugs. Right. Not that they were bad people, Mm. but they weren't the people that I needed to surround myself with when I was going through what I was going through. I wasn't strong enough to be around those types of people. Right. You know, when people talk about their experiences, and what they've gone through, sometimes it can be misinterpreted as, like, a judgment on someone else's character, and I want to just, like, make it known for anyone listening, like, you sharing your experience of how these people were for you doesn't mean that they were bad people, they just weren't your people. Exactly, for sure, because I actually genuinely still love everybody from that part of life. They weren't the type of people I needed to be around during that time in my life, for sure. Yeah, and that's, um, that's okay. I had a friend there who I grew up with that I loved a lot and will always love her, honestly. We're not friends anymore, but I would even say our relationship became really toxic. And I don't really know how we got to that point. I think we were all just so different and it just didn't work well. Some people you just live with, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. 
Right. And it just didn't. We were all trying to figure out who we were. We were all in college. College is a really hard time, especially when you live in with a few other girls. Like, it's definitely not easy, especially when they're not your siblings or your family. A lot of people find out that you, once you go live with your best friend, it doesn't actually work out most of the time. Yeah. I felt like I really did her wrong, too. Right. I mean, it worked out in the end, but I'll always love her so much. Yeah. I think about her all the time. Right. I wasn't that good of a friend. Right. Well, it's just because everything I was going through, and I, I was so selfish, I didn't care about anybody's feelings but my own. Right. And that's something that I've talked about some on this podcast because I've been the same way, you know, to people specifically when I was like sneaking around and hiding things, I just like felt like I really couldn't relate to anyone other than that person that I was, you know, sneaking around with because Mm -hmm. no one could understand what I was going through. No one could, I was just so wrapped up. And another way was when people around me started to like find their joy in their queer, you know, communities. And I still was so like deeply, deeply in the closet, seeing everyone so happy was so hard on me because I wanted it so bad, but I couldn't have it at that moment. I was just Mm -hmm. terrible to everyone. Yeah. And that's how I was. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So you talked about how you kind of made the switch when things started going your way and Mm -hmm. like art became like, a bigger part of your life and you had teachers and mentors and all these people like pouring into you and you felt like you were, you know, on your way. Mm -hmm. So art is one thing. And we kind of talked about this in Reese's episode, like, but what if, what if there comes a day when you can't do art the same way that you can right now? Where do you find your self-worth then? Like where, where do you pull that self-worth or like, where do you pull knowing your worth from other than art? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I will tell you one of the people that saved me was my husband. When I met my husband, he made me feel like I was the most beautiful, coolest girl in the world. I felt extremely loved and he and I was a flake I was crap to him at first Mm -hmm. because I didn't feel like it was real I didn't know if I even wanted it to be real because I've never I never even had a real relationship so for him to just be like trying so hard and do you want to do this with me I want to do you want to go to this concert with me I would make up excuses not to go because I'm like what is this like who why is he trying so hard Mm -hmm. why is he feeding me all this all these nice compliments this isn't what I'm used to I don't I feel uncomfortable so it took it took me almost pushing him completely away for me to realize that like this is a good thing in my life Mm -hmm. and I need to just take it and run with it and so um I would say surrounding yourself with really good people and honestly I can't wait to have a baby Mm -hmm. and so I think that like being a mother and having a really good husband helps a lot with self-worth I've just grown so much so I don't feel that way about myself anymore. I've gained 20 pounds since and my hair's thinner and I don't wear, I don't wear as much makeup anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. like I just feel better about myself than I did in college, you know, and it's from better people and having success in art. So let's go back just a tiny bit because, um, shouts out clay. We love clay. We also stand clay. So I think that this is something that a lot of people can relate to because, um, especially people who get into a cycle of toxic relationships and then a good one comes around and they're like, there's no way this can be real. 
there's mm-hmm. no person can love me or that they can see me for all these things that all these other people said that I was not. So with Clay, did you feel like you didn't deserve that love? No, definitely not at first. Right. Um, eventually, but I also feel like we had a hard time communicating at first because I had been through just horrible relationships and I didn't really know like what being in a real relationship meant. I would never like cheat on him, but I didn't care to like talk to other boys when we were dating. I just didn't know. And it set us up for a really, really rocky start. Honestly, I do put a lot of blame on myself for that because I was not a good girlfriend at first. I just didn't know how to be. I was never a girlfriend to anybody. I didn't have to answer anybody. I just did what I wanted to do. Right. And, and I think that's why I, I acted that way Right. because I never had anything real. Right. So, you know, we said that this conversation was going to be more about self-worth, but I actually feel like it's mostly been about how to move through toxic cycles, Mm -hmm. which I know that that is part of self-worth, but looking at your life, you can see it started in high school. There's someone that you thought you loved that said you weren't cool enough or smart enough, or I don't know if you said you're not smart enough. Um, pretty enough. I'm definitely not. No, I wasn't smart enough multiple times in my life. These are things, whether or not we, you know, notice it or not, the, the opinions of others and the things that people say about us, they do make an impact on our souls and on our, you know, on our mental and physical. A hundred percent. And that is the reason why it's so good to have good people in your life. People who are speaking, you know, positive things and into your being you know what I'm saying well that's the reason I bounced back is because I had good people in my life that never gave up on me and that encouraged me to be a good human and to start to love myself again and it definitely matters that my that mom and dad didn't give up on me that I would ignore their phone calls and they would just call me again the next day like it matters it definitely matters for me for sure yeah, I mean, and I feel like your maybe your life specifically is like a love I'm extremely note. fortunate. Well, I was gonna say it's like a love note to mom, really, because that woman, her and art saved me 100%. Oh, she never for one single second gave up on you. And I remember no. so many times where we would have a conversation about, uh, some bullshit that you were up to. I'm like, mom, you got to let her figure out her shit by herself. And she's like, no, no. But it was seven years of just complete sabotaging my own life. So I can understand why it was. But she never did. She would never. She wouldn't give up. No, no, she would never give up. So Mm -hmm. shouts out Tori. Mm -hmm. Really an angel among us. And honestly, for real, but like dad was like, yeah. he came in strong. I mean, I, he was, there were times where, I mean, and he didn't even, he didn't even know half the crap that I, over half the crap that I did. He would have done anything for me. Right. I mean, driven me anywhere. I mean, and he did not like the situation I was in, yeah. but he still gave me money on the weekends to do whatever I wanted to do, yeah. you know? Yeah, dad's the type of, he got, I don't know, he he sent me with a little salty text message after my last podcast and said that he's thankful that people finally know I have a dad because apparently I haven't talked about him that much. So dad, this section is for you. Um, yeah. One thing that I think is so special about him, and I do hope to have him on here, is um, he 
may not show up in the same way as his mom as like an emotional support, but he will literally always show up physically. Like for sure, he would do anything for any of us. Yeah, and he's probably the most proud of you for figuring out how to do shit. He yeah. was telling me, I was like, I really just hope to be the mom that we have, like when it, with for my own kid. And he was like, well, you have to learn how to do shit first. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to learn, Dad. Like, I'm that's why I'm watching Mom, like, hang curtains and do all that crap. Like, I want to be that mom. And mm-hmm. and then I was thinking about you, like how you can change oil and fix whatever on cars and do plumbing and i'm like damn he's probably really proud of i mean i don't know if he's ever told you that but i think he's happy that i can do stuff by myself because well i had no choice also you don't have him to do it either you have to do it which has helped me quite a bit yeah all right let's talk about our parents really quick i want to circle back to the conversation that we were having so do you feel like this you know not journey I don't like to say journey but do you feel like this is something that you'll be working on for your whole life like undoing toxic beliefs about yourself or undoing toxic um cycles from your past relationships and still like learning your self-worth do you feel like that's something that you figured out or do you feel like it's something that you're gonna have to work on for a long time I think that you get to a point where you just have to feel like what you're doing is good enough and Am I, am I at that point necessarily in my life? Do I feel like I'm doing everything fully like to my, I don't, I don't really feel like that. Like, I feel like this is something I'll definitely have to work on the rest of my life, especially like having kids and teaching them about self-worth. I'm obviously a lot better, but I think that I could definitely work harder in the things I love. I, I don't think that like I'm reaching my full potential in art. I think that makes me feel really good when I do. Like when I lost my job, I spent two to three whole months like working it like a job, not like a hobby. So I feel like to not treat like art like a hobby, like when I had to actually work and actually make money for those three months, I was unemployed and I did it. And I'm like, dang, like I'm making money. Like I, this is my job. I can really do this. But like, then I'm kind of back to, oh, I can do it every once in a while. My wood burner broke. I'll wait and do another piece of art, even though I have pencils and paint and whatever else. I don't have to just wood burn. Like, I don't feel like I'm at the point yet where I completely feel independent. It's hard being your own boss. Mm. It's really hard to stay motivated and stuff. And I feel like motivation's a big part of self-worth. And it's definitely something that I will have to work on every day of my life. I think it's really important to set goals and to keep checking along and um, it's hard when you're sick and pregnant so I'm definitely definitely still working on it okay so I just cut like a massive part of this because Bailey like I said at the beginning of this podcast is so absolutely hilarious to me <laughs> <laughs> she uh wants me to let our listeners know here that she meant to say <laughs> She wouldn't say chugging along, not <laughs> chucking along. So she want to make that very uh, clear here for anyone who's confused and hadn't heard the phrase chucking along. <laughs> she actually meant chugging. But yeah, I can really deeply relate to, you know, putting your self-worth in other people and 
your experiences and what people say about you because, you know, for a, a really long time in my life, I heard so many, so many incredibly negative things about, you know, the queer community and what that looks like and who those people are and all of those things. And you do internalize those things, even if you know that none of them, you know, are true for you. Um, and it is really hard to undo those you know, toxic beliefs about yourself. So I am proud of you for the way that you've moved through that bullcrap that you went through, because this is only scraping the surface of some of the stuff you've gone through. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So I have a, a final question that I ask every guest, but before I do ask that, I have to, you know, give you credit where credit is due. Obviously I have been laughing just so <laughs> so much during this I knew that I would because you're like I said you're one of the most unironically funny people in the I really am willing to bet in the world I don't know what it is about what you say that really just cracks me but you just are and I just have loved even though you have been such a pain to me sometimes (laughs) let me just tell the story really quick Okay. One day we were sitting in the kitchen. This was another one of our physical altercations. I think we had three of them. Two of them were serious. One of them was actually serious. So this one was, we were in the kitchen. So our kitchen table was on one side of the kitchen. And then our kitchen sink was on the other side. And you had this wet paper towel. I guess you had multiple wet paper towels. You kept throwing them at me and hitting me in the face. (laughs) And I was like, Bailey, stop throwing those paper towels at me. And you just thought it was so funny. And you just kept throwing these wet paper towels at my face. And I looked at mom and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat her up. And mom said, Bailey, if you throw one more wet paper towel at Keller's face, like I'm giving permission for them to beat you up. And I was like, okay, as long as this has been like said out loud. And you surely do just turn around and launch another wet paper towel at my face. It hits me right in my face. Mom, I don't remember that. Yeah, mom literally opened the door and let us outside. <laughs> Bridget was there. Bridget was recording it, the whole thing. And it was, like, really goofy. Like, I think I, like, pit, like grabbed your shoulders and, like, tripped you and pushed you down. And then you were <laughs> in the back and you tried to spit up at me, but it landed on your face. I landed on my face. I do <laughs> yeah. remember that. Yeah. So, you've just always been a little... Just pestering you. A pester, but also, like I said, so many of my favorite memories of high school and middle school and just like they just all include you you know what Mm -hmm. I mean we were just we just had such a good time together and yeah I mean like you said we shared a room until we were what like 12 Mm, I think 12 (laughs) I don't know it's probably 15 really (laughs) no no I think it was like 12 or 13 yeah. But anyways, I just love you a lot and you're you. one of the funniest people I've known, but also just one of my favorite people to talk yeah. to just because of how much joy you bring to me and my life. And yeah, I just think you're the best. So mm-hmm. final question, question I'm going to ask everybody. If you could go back in time and tell your high school self one thing, what would it be? I think I would have focused way more time on things and people mm-hmm. that mattered, people that actually cared about me versus people that I cared about because that's not the same thing. And I would have told high school Bailey to not try to be so damn cool. Right. Like, 
I got to tell you a really funny story because when I met my husband, he thought I was like the coolest person. And within like a few months after being together, he's like, dang, he's like, I obviously love you, but I thought you were way cooler than you actually are. And we always make a joke out of it because, I mean, he didn't know what he was getting himself into. Like, I am so weird. We have, like, our own language. Like, I just would have – I wish I would have just been more, like, just more me. And I just just wish I wouldn't have tried to please so many people and just probably focus more on art (laughs) because I didn't give a crap about art. You know, we have a very avid listener of this podcast who – I'm so thankful in our lives, and it's only because Ron, USA, Ron, Ron Wilbur, and we, I mean, honestly, Ron, I know you're listening, we stan Ron, 100%, but we love Ron Wilbur. I just sent him a piece of art in the mail, and by his address, I put a little heart, so I hope he recognizes that because that's love and everything about him deserves a heart beside it 100 percent. okay but wait I, I keep saying i'm gonna let you go but i just keep thinking of things this can be our final story and it's up to you if we tell the story okay is this the basketball story you can tell it i i truly don't care we're all grown I'm about to be changing poopy diapers. Like, it is what it is. Okay, so if y'all listen to my last podcast. But this also involves Alicia, because I don't even know if you know this, but Alicia gave me gas sex that day. Okay, okay. Okay. That's the precursor to the story. Right. Alicia gave Bailey gas sex. So we were... um, Because I could not stop flatulating on the bus. If you listen to my last podcast with Cammie, I talk about a really funny story about basketball with Bailey, and this is that story. The The tea is being currently spilled. So we were at Scott High School, and anyways, we come out of a huddle, and Bailey, like, turns around and, like, with her butt towards me, she's like, hey, <laughs> what? <laughs> and you said, <laughs> you got to say, because I don't remember. It was such a blur like, to me. You just said, I just pooped myself a little because I through my shorts. Because we were white that day. For oh, no, day. we were blue. We were blue. Were we blue? I yeah, remember we being blue. white. Okay. Well, it might have happened more than once, but I just remember absolutely cracking up because we had just left the huddle. It's not like you went to the bathroom. You know, it's not like you, like... I eventually did, and then what sucked is that there was another... One of our teammates uh, was in the locker room, and... Mm-hmm like three of the coaches like they were all in there with oh her gosh. wrapping her ankle because she just sprained her ankle and I did not know what to do yeah because I couldn't just run out to the public restroom with looking right. like like all fully dressed in my uniform right. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom real quick in the locker room and I couldn't right. I could not so so the story was that Bailey shit herself during a basketball game <laughs> and it was and had to play it. through it yeah I had to play through it and you know what you persevered and you made it through and we still win by one. I did. Yep. But I very much respect that about you. You just keep pushing. You keep chucking along. (laughs) (laughs) Keep always chuck. Keep chucking because that'll get you through life. Just keep chucking. All right. Well, I don't even know where to go from here. So (laughs) podcast. So we talked about toxic relationships and poopy pan. That's just about on par for what I thought this would be. So Yeah. All right, well, I'll thanks so much for having me. Bailey, you know what? <laughs> the pleasure's all mine, you know? Good. Yeah, I, I, I do. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, 
I just can't wait to see you on Christmas and give you a big hug. Oh, me either. I love you a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.